Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Guten Morgen, Furline. <laughs> Welcome to Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition. What was Guten Morning? What? What was that word? Uh, guten Morgen. No, you said Furline. Furline, Furline. I don't know. Okay. Fraulein? Are you going for Fraulein? It could probably oh, be. Oh, you're teaching me a new German word. I, it could probably be that word you said. Fraulein? Fraulein, yeah. Fraulein. No, oh, for a line, I can understand how it, never mind. Uh, moving right along, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition right here on the net, New England Talks, and also on Toginet. Toginet? Toginet. Apple Podcasts, Google yeah. Podcasts, Spotify. We on Amazon? I don't know. I'm not handling the podcast end of this. Toginet is. What? I don't handle the podcast end of... Go, uh, the audio-only podcast end of Ghost oh, Chronicles. Oh, yeah, we're on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> they don't do it. I do. <laughs> Amazon and Audible. Sure. Okay. Yeah, you go on Amazon. They're on autom Audible automatically. Yeah. Audible is the old Intercom. I have no idea. And everybody's, well, they used to be Intercom. So everybody's got the Audible app. So if you get the Audible app, you can hear us. Not that you want to, but. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, the show that's that's doing the best right now is the international show, believe it or not. Yeah. Which shocks me because that was always like the poor relationship of the the menage a trois. Hey, but, Steve uh, Parsons is a star. I uh, yeah, don't <laughs> put it on him. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. No? No. The one common denominator is me. Remember that. That's true. <laughs> so anyways, uh, that, of course, is the Professor Lubalasi, the smartest guy I know. <laughs> yeah, okay. As I said before the show, follow me around for a day. You'll find out how smart I am. Yeah. So I, I love to look at those things, what happened on this day. And, and today, by the way, is uh, St. Jan's birthday. So happy birthday happy to birthday, the Jan. love of my life. In the words of Orlean, you're still the one. <laughs> I sent her a note this morning and said, make sure you take her somewhere somewhere nice. Uh, she won't even be out of bed until like, <laughs> she doesn't get up till 10. That's well, earlier than mine. Really? Yeah. Oh, She's wow. still living on West Coast time. Oh, God, no. Yeah. yeah. I get up at 6, she gets up 10, and she wonders why when if I go to bed like at 10 o'clock or something, you're going to bed so early. It's like, yeah, I was up four hours before you. Yeah. I've had those conversations, too. Yeah, we are a lot alike, aren't we? <laughs> we are a lot alike. <laughs> scary how much we're alike. Yeah. So, anyways, there's a, there's a whole pile of stuff that happened these days. I love looking at that. Mm-hmm. Oh, on this day. On this day stuff, yeah. September 20th. Yeah, but there was a, a lot of baseball things that, you know, because, you know, we are getting to it's the playoffs, right? Yep. Yeah. And, I'm going to have some fun sometime before we get into this. Yeah. Google Florida man and your birth date or today's date. Really? Yeah. You get all the, you know, the Florida crazy stories. Yeah. Of people doing stupid things. There's something, I mean, there's something like every really? day. Yeah. <laughs> It's something like every day. Seriously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in 1905, Cleveland in the America League made seven errors in one er inning. 1975? 05. Oh, 05. Yeah. 05. Might oh. be before you were born. Seven well, in one inning. You may not have had gloves in 05. I don't know. Plus, <laughs> God knows what the infield looked like. Yeah. It's yeah. like the Red Sox on occasion here. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, there's a couple I want to get. The New York Yankees, our favorite team, the uh, 1911 Yanks set the team record for 12 errors in a doubleheader. Wow. Wow. <laughs> How can he commit 12 wow. errors? I, uh, a little league, I wouldn't give my Little League team ice cream. They committed 12 errors in a doubleheader. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 1919 baseball slugger B. Ruth. Ties Ned Williamson's MBMLB mark of 27 home runs with a ninth inning blast in the Red Sox 4 3 win over the Chicago White Sox. Mm -hmm. 
Nice. Is our boys. Yep. Uh, what else we got? Uh, oh, sad though. 1922, St. Louis Cardinals uh, famed infielder Rogers Hornsby ends his 33-game hitting streak. Ah. It happens. All good things come to an end, right? So is this isn't just an on this day and there's so much baseball stuff? Or is I know. This I was, baseball I was on a, this day? No, it's oh. it's just on this day. And, and I was amazed. Carl uh, Mays is the first pitcher to win 20 games to win 20 game seasons for three different teams. Okay. In 1924. All right. And that's. That'll never happen again. Yeah. Oh, 1926. There has nothing to do with baseball. Bugs Moran attempted to assassinate El Capone. That's an interesting <laughs> one. I'd love yeah. to have for that one. Bugs. Yeah. Wow. There's, there's two beauties. That's all I can say. <laughs> what else we got before I go? You want Florida man September 20th? Yeah, give it to me. I can. Uh, so they have Florida woman for 20. See what my wife's up to. I'll read the headlines. And if you want to get into one, we'll get into one. All right. Yeah, we'll do that. Because uh, September 20th, 19, it's 2020. So last year. Ooh, yeah. Florida man arrested after girl hit with a flat flagpole during uh, the headline got cut off there. What? Florida man arrested after girl hit with flagpole during street corner pro Trump rally. So a girl got hit with a flag. Oh, you know what that's all about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tw uh, September 20th, 2018, neighbors complained about a Florida man doing yard work naked. What's the problem? <laughs> Don't know. And, hey, okay. Before you can go on to anything yes. else, what's your thought about freaking nudism? I mean, let's let's put it this way. If, if there was no stigmas or anything else, would you walk around nude? Would I? Yes. No. No, I would not. Why? Uh, Self-conscious. Is it self-consciousness? Yeah. What about pure cleanliness? Oh, cleanliness? Huh? Yeah. Would you want a freaking naked person sitting down on your couch? No. <laughs> okay. Good point. Well, <laughs> well, well? <laughs> as always, it depends on the person, but yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we, yeah. you know, let's keep your Saturday nights out of this. No, the whole nudity, <laughs> the whole nudity thing is like it's it's overrated. Like you go to a nude beach and then you get, you know, people like me walking around. And, and would you like freaking things? I mean, you know, I mean, you go to the beach, right? You're nude on the beach. You get, you get sand and pots in the body you never knew you had. Yeah. Who needs that, right? I, I don't want that. Plus, you know, I mean, you got mosquitoes out there biting, mosquitoes, biting your whatever sunburn. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I mean, I mean, if, if that's your boat, let it float. But it's, <laughs> I, I, I have absolutely, I have no clue why would you even do it? I mean, I wouldn't even walk around inside my house totally naked. No. I mean, no. I, I mean, for extended periods of time, we've walked around our house naked at one time or another. I'm sure. Would you consider like a nudist community or something like that? I mean, again, yeah. just. And I mean, let's face it. You know, when you go on a scale of one to a hundred, just a hundred people, if you took a hundred people randomly, how many would you like to see naked? Out of a hundred? Yeah. Generally speaking? Yeah. Uh, one or two. So when you, here's your, here's your homework for today. A hundred people. You count a hundred people, and every time you see a person, you you decide whether you you know what You'd I like want to, to hear them naked or not. Yeah, I want to hear that from everybody. All right. So, are we going too bad with a hundred? I think that's a fair grouping, don't you? A hundred. That's Should a we? lot of work. It is a lot of work, though. People will do the it. next ten people you see. Okay. Yeah. Here's here's the thing. We want this from and let me know. I and mean, we're over two in this room. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the next 10 people we you can, see. Once again, we can both agree. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, whoever listened to the show at any time, right? Because it's on podcasts everywhere. After the show is over, the next 10 people, just determine in your little little mind, your little, yep. little mind up there. Would you like to see them naked Would or you not? like to see them naked or not? What do you think the odds are? What do you think the I bet you there'd be a lot of over 10s. There'd be a lot of over tens. I, I bet you there will be walking on the just walking on the street. Yeah, there'll be yeah, a lot. That's of what I mean. I mean, talking everyday life. We're not talking, you know, anything else. Everyday life. You, you know, we, we leave the studio, go out, count ten people, and uh, 
Yeah. I'm pretty much sure that if I walk out of this building and meet 10 people, I'm not seeing anybody naked. No offense. No, I mean, I don't know everyone in the building as much as you do, so I'm not casting any aspersion on all persons working in this building, but the, the group that I work with, I certainly don't want to see Pat naked. Uh, <laughs> I'm just not going to answer this question. <laughs> Good I'm thing. not, not going to get involved <laughs> in this your, at all. Your job's on the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nope. Nope. This will go straight to HR. I'm not getting, <laughs> not getting into this at all. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, so that, that's a... Think about it. Anyone, anybody wanted to, and you can message us. Uh, do it another way. Do you think, what are the odds that just going around today, you'll come across 10 people that you would like to see naked? Well, that, that's not fair. That's not fair? No, because it depends who your activities are for the day. True. Yeah. So, I mean. So, the next 10 people you see. Next 10 people you see, just let us know and let it go with that. I mean, should we. Uh, and with discount family. Yeah. Yeah, definitely discount family. Yeah. So we, should we do it uh, gender uh, sensitive? Gender sensitive? Yeah. So the next, for instance, if you were a guy, a straight guy, uh, yeah, we have yeah. to. Would you be the next ten women? Would you like to see naked, or just in general? Just in general. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I, I'm good with that. Just let it flow. Let. It... <laughs> okay. So there you go. Uh, is your homework September twentieth? Uh, oh yeah, back September twentieth. How do we ever give? Oh yeah, two thousand twenty. I, I was just explaining. This is a fun thing to do. Oh yes, yeah, fun thing to do. A Florida man gets probation for picking up and transporting forty-one turtles. Well, at least he got probation. Hundred hours of community service. Court costs. Of what, putting turtles back. <laughs> Hundred hours of community service. Pay court costs and make a two hundred and fifty donation to the Wildlife Alert Fund after pleading guilty to one count of taking or possessing more than one turtle per day and one count of transporting more than one turtle or eggs. What? You can only you, you allowed one turtle per day? <laughs> Clemens was behind the wheel of a pickup truck stopped in May by deputies at Charlotte County Sheriff's Office after he ran a stop right, sign boy, pull over. at 3.30 a.m. around Punta Gorda. Say that what? He's, he ran a stop sign. Punta, Punta Gorda. Punta Gorda. Yeah. Clemens Ooh. told deputy he and his 25-year-old passenger, Ariel Machin LaCroix, easy for you to say, were collecting frogs and snakes under an overpass. <laughs> you need to go deeper. He gave deputies permission to search the bags in the truck. When the deputy found when the deputy found 41 three-striped turtles oh. in a teenage mutant ninja turtle backpack. <laughs> How apropos. He asked the woman if uh if if she had anything else. She pulled out a one-foot gator from her yoga pants. I assume she wasn't wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How do you keep a gator in a yoga pants? Well, they kind of like stretchable, right? Well, if the cops, you get to stash the gator. I don't know if my yoga pants is where I'd put it. I mean, how much time do you have to <laughs> stretch? How big is the gator? I don't know. Hmm. I don't. In her yoga pants, I don't. I oh, I don't know about that. Don't, they get the like claws and stuff like that. Florida man arrested after pooping. This is all at uh, September third. Oh, not September third. I'm sorry. They're, oh. they're on to different dates here. Oh, shame on them. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, so th that's a good daily activity for you. So it's against a lot of poop in Florida, evidently. I don't know. Well, okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So so at least we know it's okay to take one turtle a day in Florida. <laughs> they're out at three in the morning collecting turtles and snakes under an overpass. Oh, was it three in the morning? Yep. Collecting turtles and snakes under an overpass. Maybe they were it's making kind of a relationship. I want. Maybe they were going to open up a roadside attraction. Maybe. <laughs> Come see the live alligator in my yoga pants. My TikTok last <laughs> night. I saw a kid in the water. He was. Why are you watching TikTok? I love TikTok. Oh, you're so sad. I know it's the biggest time suck on the planet Earth. Oh, it just—it'll make forty-five minutes go just like that. Mm -hmm. There was this kid. He was in the water off the back of his boat. It's like eleven. 10, 11, maybe 9, 10, 11, somewhere in that range. And he's floating in the water and you can see beyond him the eyes of a, a an alligator. Oh, jeez! Right? Like about 10, 15 feet beyond him. And he's throwing food at the alligator. So I don't know what happened there. And then it cut when the, when the alligator submerged. So I don't know if the kid got it. 
<laughs> Once again, I hope he wasn't naked. <laughs> really doesn't matter because well, you don't TikTok know. TikTok didn't leave, last that long. Leave that bait hanging down. You're in trouble. <laughs> although, Thank God we don't have alligators. Although there may be shrinkage, I don't know. <laughs> Thank God. I mean, we get a lot of problems in New England, but we don't have. We have some snakes, but not a lot. We, not, we do have an occasional alligator. What? Oh, an escapee or a sewer alligator or something like that? Well, not so much sewer alligator, but yeah, we have do the have the occasional. Did you ever alley. watch Northwood's Law? No, what do you come up Do you have a life? I do. I have a life. Spend all your time on TV and TikTok. No, not all my time. <laughs> okay. Just, I'm just up late at night and I float through stuff. I've been There's only so many episodes of Baywatch you can watch. <laughs> <laughs> Northwood's Law is a reality show based on... Um, these wildlife officers in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And the reason I got sucked into it is because I know all the places they went. They're in these towns That's in New true. Hampshire yeah. going. And yeah. there was one episode where someone put up a picture of on Facebook of their alligator. And so they had to write, they had to run this thing down because apparently it's illegal to own an alligator. alligator in New Hampshire. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, did, what happened did, to live free or die? Did they get him? Yep. They found him. It's like a four and a half foot alligator. It wasn't huge. But yeah, I know it's still, it's the point of the thing. Some places you can. I mean, you can own whatever you want. They own wild animals and everything. And I forget the details. I should I mean, bring like this up. But lions they, and tigers. They ran and down somebody in uh, Great Bay, uh, in the Piscataway River, and out taking taking some sort of fish that apparently is very expensive. I don't know. What, taking I, fish I, in the river? I can't remember. Not fish, really. They were kind of capturing them. Not eels. Yeah, small capturing them because apparently they're worth a ton of money but i don't, i can't remember what? the details of it slimy fish are worth money yeah there's something something going on something going on and i forget i god well we weren't going down this road unfortunately we no. did <laughs> <laughs> but you know uh, is that right i can't i see you know and uh I, I was watching news they had uh i think it was in minnesota they had uh zebra walking down the road in minnesota yeah, Minnesota or Michigan, one of the M states. Where did it come from? I don't know. Who owned a zebra? Zebras. Zebras. Yeah. Plural. Well, yeah. you know, you don't if you don't want your zebra to be lonely. Yeah. It would it's zebras like bras, right? And that would be thing. It wouldn't be like zebras. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. I don't really know. Oh zebra. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was actually shot for a brazier, right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make that perfectly clear. But anyway. All right. So, in night, this is interesting. Uh, you got something more? Or, uh, I'm trying to find the... Uh, the the uh, what? The zebra or the... The eels. Oh, the eels. New controls in Maine provoke poaching of valuable eels. Maine's lucrative baby eel industry will likely face tighter controls this year. Baby eels called Elvers are an important part of the worldwide supply of chain for Japanese food. Maine fishermen the harvest... The Japanese eat everything. I know, right? God. Maine fishermen harvest them from rivers and streams every spring, and they're typically worth more than $1,000 per pound. What? No other U.S. state has a significant elver fishery, but poaching has dogged the industry. Last year's season was shut down by state regulators two weeks early after investigators unearthed uh, concerns about illegal sales. So these eels are worth $1,000 per pound, and they're just floating in these rivers. Uh, you just like, that's wrong in so many different levels, by the way. First of all. Okay, yeah, I, I, I want a partial list. Who, first of all, who would pay $1,000 for a pound of liver? The Japanese. Second of all, why are the Japanese paying $1,000 for a pound of eel? Because you can only get them in Maine, apparently. They can't just go out to their local tributary and so you can, fish for eels. You can get a freaking ribeye for a whole lot cheaper. <laughs> I'm with you all the way. But these but, are the same people that eat poisonous fish. That they can kill them the if, they don't, fish, if yeah. they're not prepared properly. So yeah. why does it not surprise me? Hey. People eat veggie burgers. And third of I, all, you can't explain what people eat. Yeah, but third of all, fourth of all, or whatever it is, whatever all it is, is I got dragged up in the third and fourth of all. I can't remember <laughs> what the hell I was going to say. Yes. Uh, the so uh, who's paying thousand dollars for these eels? Yes, and and where the hell they get the money? I don't know. People have money. It's 
They're not, not all people are like us. They're Japanese. So what? They have money. We beat them in World War II. <laughs> yes, but we buy a lot we of stuff their, from the Japanese. And then we built their economy. <laughs> we built their economy. That's exactly right. I actually got a, a, a little thing, uh, a little ceramic thing for my mom that says, uh, made in occupied Japan. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll tell you the joke in 1941, the movie 1941? No. The, 1941 is a John Belushi movie. Yeah, it's, I've it's, seen it. It's about the, yeah, it's about yeah. this attack on uh, Los Angeles that never happened. But um, anyway, there was a Japanese sub in the movie and they are cruising the coast and they see this guy in a cabin on the coast looking at them through binoculars. So they got to go sit, get him so he won't tell anybody. So they go and get the guy. They get in a boat off the submarine and they go get him and he won't leave without his radio. And it's one of those big cathedral radios. Oh, geez. Yeah. So they bring it along with them and they put the guy in the porthole, mm -hmm. the you know, for the sub and they're trying to get the cathedral radio down and it won't fit in the hole. And one Japanese guy says something to the other guy in Japanese and the subtitle says, we got to figure out a way to make these things smaller. <laughs> and I was like, I was under the seat. Nobody else in the room got it. It's just like, I'm under the seat. Yeah. yeah. Trans Japanese radios, right? Yeah. Japanese transistor radios. Transistor that was, the, radios, big, yeah, right? that was yeah. the big thing back in the day. I remember I got one for my birthday. It was like, the biggest thing in the Transistor world. Transistor radio? Yeah. God. It was nice. I got it for my birthday. It was it was it was about this big. It was a you know, back in the early days. And it was a nice one. I, I put it on the roof of the car while I was playing basketball and the basketball hit it and knocked it over and broke it. Uh, First day. My cousin and I playing tennis on summer nights with the Red Sox game on with okay. the transistor radio in the corner of the tennis transistor. Oh, I, I remember crystals. Crystals were. I had a crystal radio when I was a little kid. It was like a rocket ship. It was shaped like a little rocket ship, and you just took the top, top off, and you could do your little crystal thing. My mother made crystals for Western Electric. Oh, that was cool. her thing. Yeah. There you go. She used to bring home stuff. Stuff is good. Like, I don't know Free where we'd ever use these raw crystals, but. Anyway. Yep. Um, in 1951, the first North Pole jet crossing. Oh, okay. Which brings me to today's topic. All right, excellent. Yeah. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might as well take a break before we get into it. And uh, when we come back, we're going to learn a little bit more about... Let's ride. Did say take a break, right? I heard voices. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition right here on the net, New England Talks. And uh, we're at TojiNet and everybody else. Yep. So we'll be back following messages. Even places we don't know yet. I'm sure. Yep. I'm sure. All right. Bye. <laughs> Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Are you seeing a ghostly apparition every time you look in the mirror? Are you terrified to realize that that pale, lifeless, lack of energy form hovering before you is in fact you? How would you like to be transformed? Healing begins from within and it's never too late to start feeling good. Are you curious? Interested? Good. Don't wait another minute. Visit transformyourlifenow.org or contact Maureen. The email address is maureen at transformyourlife.org. Everyone is cashing in on social media, and all marketing roads lead through social media. If you want to make a splash here in the Merrimack Valley, you need to tap in. This is where the new CEM podcast studios come in. Of course, you can spend your time, energy, and money learning how to wrangle technology to make a podcast instead of running your business. Or you can invest in telling everyone in the Merrimack Valley, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Maine, the Seacoast, or everywhere in the world about your great business, product, service, or yourself. The CEM Podcast Studio is a local audio and video studio dedicated to the craft of podcasts. Their studios feature state-of-the-art recording and mixing equipment designed specifically to produce the best audio and video podcasts. Best of all, all you need to worry about is your show, your business, and your brand. 
We do the rest. Call 978-686-9966. That's 978-686-9966 to schedule a no-obligation tour of the CEM facilities and meet with a podcast specialist. Or go to cempodcast.com to find out more about podcasting services. cempodcast.com, your window to the world. Welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition, heard Mondays at 11 on all these outlets that you're hearing us on with your host, New England's own Ben Nelson, Ron Cohen. And I want to give a shout out to Tom Spitaleri, who's listening to the show. And Tom's with us today. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, before I get into North Pole, um, I'm the looking... first jet flyover in 1951 on this date. Yeah, but there's a little bit more than that. There's something strange going on. Okay. Something very strange. Anyway, I'm looking for uh, participants in a uh, psychological Uh-oh. study. Uh-oh. It does not matter in, in your uh, own particular beliefs in the paranormal or whether you believe in it at, at all. Uh, it requires no skills, and you can be in any part of the world, and it requires absolutely little effort. And Sounds like a Democratic primary. <laughs> And, and if you're interested in participating, uh, you can message me, or Ronald Kolick, on Facebook or on our page, whatever page we're on, uh, Morning Edition. Mm-hmm. And, or you can email me at negoesproject at comcast.net, negoesproject at comcast.net. So we're looking for participants for a psychological study. And uh, so if you want to be part of something that actually counts, uh, you can do this. Um, also, I would do want to mention before I forget. Which... Wait a second, do we get an idea of what the study is? No, you can't. Oh, you can't. No, no. Okay, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, there's no details, and you won't. It doesn't require. It requires very little effort, really. And anybody can do it, uh, really. So, uh, it, it takes little time, requires little effort, and it doesn't matter what you believe in, what you don't believe in. Uh, so it's yeah, we just look for participants. Yep, and. There you go. There is no monetary value involved in it as well. Uh, so also, uh, within two weeks, Spirit Quest, uh, I think this is our 10th or 11th Spirit Quest up at uh, Groveland is occurring. And that, that you can find out all the details at any ghost project at Comcast. No, any ghost project dot com. So anygoesproject.com, check out SpiritQuest. Uh, Friday night we have uh, Chinese food in a murder mystery theater with a ghost in it. And then we have mm-hmm. speakers all day on Saturday and Saturday night ghost hunts. Uh, and on Sunday we have a uh, uh, the science and uh, something or other. It's a whole thing on table tipping. It's an afternoon event. So there you go. So you can check that out at anygoesproject.com. You can sign up for the weekend or any one of the particular events you want to sign up for. Excellent. So there you go. Got that out of the way. I'm feeling much better now, Neil Lou. All right. What's happening at the North Pole? Yeah. So what do you uh, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know how you stand on flat earthers, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? You, you believe in flat earthers? No, I do not. What about, I'm, not, I'm not a flat earther. What about a hollow earther? Hollow earth? Hollow earth. With civilizations inside? Hollow earth, yes. Hollow earth? No. I don't believe in that. No, why, why is that? Well. Are you uh, listening to Fauci again? I'm listening to Fauci. <laughs> I was just going to say, what the science tells us. Uh-huh. uh-huh. No, no, I don't. I, I don't know. Well. It just doesn't seem plausible to me. You ever hear of U.S. Rear Admiral Richard Evelyn Byrd? Admiral Byrd, Rear Admiral Byrd. Sure. Admiral Byrd. Yep. Went to the North Pole. That's right. And in 1947, he led an expedition into the center of the Earth. Did he? From the North Pole. Hmm. Byrd discovered a huge base with animals, plants previously thought to be extinct. These animals include mammoth-like uh, creatures, Bird wrote in his diary that it was unbelievable to see a valley full of green trees and a stream flowing through the valley. This is the North Pole, 
and uh, it should be the world ruled by snow and ice. Uh, he took peyote on his trip to the North Pole. He did not. Okay. Bird also discovered a huge flying saucer base Ooh. in which there were superhumans with supernatural powers and a high level of technology. I think they were Germans. <laughs> I could be wrong. No, the Nazis are on the moon. I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, these mysterious beings told him that an underground world called Ariane, Ariane, A R I A N N I, uh, that's that's the world they he was in. They uh, they had no wish to contact the people from the outside world till the U.S. dropped two atomic bombs on Japan. Oh, I see. Realizing that weapons, that kind of woke him up. Yeah, realizing that weaponry is possessed by humankind are likely to destroy the entire world. They thus sent flying vehicles to interact with military superpowers, but they did not get much response. The same year, Byrd attended a staff meeting uh, for the U.S. Department of Defense. Uh, he gave details in the reports of discoveries to President Truman. He also accepted the investigation. Uh, he also his retirement was ten minutes later. Uh, Truman uh, talking about. Uh, he also accepted investigation of the highest security department and a medical team that was uh, instructed to keep all information confidential. He followed the order, but wrote in his diary, "The land in the North Pole and the base is a huge mystery." Hmm. On December twenty fourth. Day before Christmas, 1965, Bird's diary went public. It aroused interest in that an exploration of the center of the earth would. In 2015, former CIA technician and analyst Edward Snowden, you remember that? Yep. Name, released cigarettes of aliens in the center of the earth. He mm -hmm. revealed that they lived in the earth's mantle under the cross and above the core and that the U.S. was in contact with them and even reached certain cigarette agreements. I see. Keep going. There's more. As early as uh, 25 years This is all from Admiral Byrd's diary? or well, This is beyond Admiral oh, Byrd's okay. diary. This is, this is other sources of information. Yeah, but the diary is the one that talked about the base. Mm -hmm. And uh, early uh, as 25 years ago, NASA disclosed that they received a radio signal from the center of the Earth. These signals indicated the existence of more advanced civilization world underground. In 1990, well, go ahead. Okay, review that for me. NASA said. In, as early as 25 years ago. Uh, I don't know when this was written. Okay, okay. so 1996? I don't know. Six? Yeah, I don't know what, yeah. when this was published. To be honest with you, I didn't see it. Right it's in the 90s. NASA, NASA disclosed that they received radio signals from the center of the Earth. These signals indicated the existence Top 40 of more advanced rock. What was it? <laughs> I think it was Ghost Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. If they have podcasts, we're on there somehow. <laughs> you, you ever see that one? Uh, the, you know, remember Bin Laden? Remember him? Yep. And he was disappeared into the mountains. Yep. And they got a picture of him watching his crappy TV. Yes. Yeah. I had uh, Lisa put the picture of the Ghost Chronicles logo on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, in 1995, Canadian weekly World News titled NASA received radio signals coming from the inside of the Earth predicted that the Earth, uh, that the Earth, wait a minute, from the inside of the Earth predicted that the center of the Earth is hollow. Okay, I read that. I'm not a very good reader. Yeah. Scientists learned that the signals were complex mathematical codes and therefore confirm that there was certainly intelligent life there. I see. Uh, if we follow these three elements, sunlight, air, and water for life, um, uh, how will life uh, survive in the center of the earth? Uh, there were media reports that covered the underground world, uh, described the people with supernatural powers, and they traveled over 220 kilometers down the ground and reached the center of the earth upon arriving, they were stunned to see a highly developed and highly civilized geocentric world. 
Ooh, look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Comparing the earth to an egg, the process of human exploration towards the center of the earth is less than one-tenth of its shell. While many people thought the earth's core was full of magna, this article might be full of something else. Yeah. Uh, magna uh, is within 200 kilometers from the surface, so it's, it's quite a ways down. Uh, it is reported that uh, beings in the center of Earth are not aggressive as humans. Can't we all get along? Yeah. We're horrible people. Yeah. Anyway, uh, is there an end to this article? Uh, <laughs> it was reported uh, that beings of the center, oh, no, we already did that. People with uh, supernatural abilities said that the lives that the lives in the place they have traveled to look like Chinese with yellow skin with a population of 1.5 million. However, the total population of the center of the earth ranges in the tens of millions. I see. More than the entire surface. Are they vaccinated? Do we be contacting these people? I was just people? wondering that, you know, maybe that's where it came from. Did you think <laughs> of that? We never know. Uh, let's see if there's anything that, that I need to bring up or I, if I have just touched everything. Uh, there are reportedly tall buildings at the center of the earth. The highest floor is uh, 590, floor, floor, 590 floors. Wow. Or about 1,900 meters high. Languages used are similar to ours. There is Chinese and English-like language. Are they humanoid? Are they kind of like us? Yeah, they can often travel on the ground in a very similar appearance to human. Thus, humans cannot tell them apart. Oh, so they might be among us. I, I mean, I do have to admit it. I do was born in the center of the earth. I, I didn't want to say anything, but since this is out, I may as well come clean. So like every other alien in the universe, they might be among us now. They probably are. Yeah. Uh, those with supernatural abilities also said, dated several <laughs> said it is difficult to enter the center of the earth uh, using current human technology. There are, in fact, secret passages between the center of Earth and the ground. They are hidden in inaccessible places and are not easily discoverable. Uh, so there you go. What do you think? That's no, I'm not buying it at all. Not at all. Not at all. What about Admiral Birds? I don't know what was going on with the with the good Admiral, but Steve believes in Admiral Bird. We have discussed this on the international show. Steve believes as a civilization in the center of the earth. He believes that Ad Admiral Baruch believes what he saw. That's not an answer. Yes, it is. That's a Steve answer. If you really know Steve, you know that. People, Do you believe in ghosts? I believe people see ghosts. People. Believe, I believe people believe they see ghosts. People believe the earth is flat. Yes. People believe Biden is a good president. People believe things. <laughs> I don't deny their belief. I just yeah. deny their reality. So, I mean, we've got these all these new released files from uh, the the Air Force on uh, on Navy. Which, was it yeah, Navy? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Let's chat about that for a second. Okay. Let's chat about that. What for a was actually revealed in those files? There, there are things flying out there. We don't know what they are. <laughs> Pretty much. It doesn't say they're alien. It doesn't. It. N there's no information in that release. There's just some some crappy pictures crappy videos mm -hmm. of something moving it's, it's totally overblown there was nothing in there if you sit down and look well, at i don't it, know if you go on the netflix there. channel you can well, find out all the evidence go to gaia go to the gaia channel and they'll give you all the evidence you can always you can talk to the guy that's got the hair from the, like the hakonians did that guy and do that guy she's he's like he's never turned down a check has he no <laughs> he just does everything he's on every show yeah that's what I get all the time. Go watch Gaia. They'll tell you about the UFOs. Like, uh, what is Gaia? It's a, Do it's I really want to know? Online channel. If you get Roku, you can probably find it. Or yeah. um, online, you can find it. But their whole their whole premise is based on some of this paranormal, ancient civilizations, stuff like that. You know, aliens that taught us. You know, whatever the hell they taught. Because we're stupid, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We so, can never evolve. It's impossible. Give me a. Give me a. Um, Someone without skin in the game who will tell you that there are people in the middle of the earth or, I mean, I, I guess Admiral Byrd would be there. But on Gaia, actually watch this, right? There was a show on ancient Egypt. Yeah. 
And they were talking along and they were talking, they were looking at these hieroglyphics that look, they were trying to make the case that ancient Egyptians had electricity. Yeah. They, they were talking about things that look like resistors and the hieroglyphics and stuff like that. That's the problem. And the guy literally said, do we know the ancient Egyptians didn't have electricity? No, we don't know that. And I guess I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure the ancient Egyptians didn't have electricity. In reality, I wouldn't be surprised I mean, just, if they I mean, had some form of electricity. Because static we, electricity? No, like we, we know the Babylonians had the Babylonian battery, which is, and, and you know, when, and we've talked about this before, that rudimentary science, you've made potato batteries before, sure. right? So, I mean, it's not like totally unbelievable, but just because they had electricity and we, I mean, we discovered how to do potato batteries and, and Babylonian batteries. Why, why is it not impossible that they had some type of electricity? I'm not. I'm not saying what. What did the Babylonians do with the Babylonian battery? I don't quote know. unquote battery. Maybe you work a vibrator. I don't know. <laughs> the hell do I know? I mean, you got this. All has to make sense somehow. What what was going on in ancient Egypt that they needed electricity for? I don't know, Lou. Let alone whether they had it or not. What the hell did they need it for? Yeah, but I, don't we have... They're running air conditioners? What were they doing? <laughs> they had all the 10,000 slaves to do the fanny thing. How do you spell Babylon? B-A-B-L-O-N. B-A-B-A... Baby L-O-N. B-A-B-Y-L-O-N. Is it Y? B-A-B-Y... Babylon. B-A-T-T-E-R. What are we looking up here in this? Babylonian battery. Is the Babylonian battery the first uh, thing? This is, yeah, this is really cool. Uh, yeah. So let's take a look at this and see what it is. The Babylonian battery is the first electrochemical. I mean, that's what it is. It's electrochemical, right? Yeah. It's not produced by generators or anything. See, and they actually get a picture of it. Can you see that picture of it? Yes. Yeah. So you, you got a little view of it and, and it looks like a battery. If you, I'm sure you have cutting batteries before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have, who hasn't any kid? Uh, the GMT attended last week, the Bay Area Battery Summit at the Stanford Linear Accelerator Center. <laughs> <laughs> it witnessed, there's a place you'd love to be, right? Where? Uh, wouldn't you love to go to this conference at uh, the Bay Area Battery Summit at the Stanford Linear Accelerator Center? Oh, yeah, sounds like a blast. <sighs> and witness a presenter, whose name shall remain enormous, claimed without reservation that the first battery was an electrochemical cell and was about 2,500 years old. It was supposedly discovered in Mesopotamia, archaeological dig near Baghdad, or possibly the basement of the Baghdad Museum. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first one, yeah. uh, the Baghdad battery. Koenig yeah. was forced to return to Austria in February 1939 due to health problems. In 40, he published a book in German titled uh, Nerjar Arik, which he speculated the object he'd seen in Baghdad might have been a primitive ancient battery. Koenig argued that maybe batteries like this one, and their batteries is in quote, uh, had been used in ancient Mesopotamia for electroplating. He tried to support his hypothesis by noting several ancient Mesopotamian artifacts he had seen were made of silver coated with a very thin layer of gold. Koenig argued that these artifacts might have been plated using electroplating. Modern, modern archaeologists, however, now generally agree that the objects seen by Koenig were not in fact electroplated at all, but rather fire gilded using mercury. Therefore, no known examples uh, can be reliable as electroplating. Despite that fact, Koenig's main piece of evidence has now been invalidated. His hypothesis is becoming wildly popular on New Agers, who are convinced that batteries are technological remnants from Atlantis. Oh, uh, see, that's where they, okay. They, uh, gifts go. brought by aliens. Here we go. Yeah. His hypothesis is also unfortunately becoming popular among popular science writers who are eager to show off examples of advanced alien technology. No. And no. has even wormed I'm its way into textbooks on electri electricity. I'm not going that way. I am not going that way saying that it's, it's brought to us by the freaking aliens or Lanians and everybody else. But I think we could very much end in, in 1774, the linear jaw, the concept for the first linear jaw was arrived independently by Dutch Moschko Schallenburg and Colin Klein and, and German scientist Edward Gordek von Kleist. It was essentially a capacitor stored charge between two metal plates. So 
we can build things and we can build things on our own. We don't need no freaking uh, thing. And, and so what? I mean, when you think about it, okay, so say this was a battery or it wasn't a battery, all right? Whatever your per belief in. Say it was a battery. What does it really prove? All right, some guy in his laboratory came up with the idea of a battery, was able to shoot a little charge out. And it's like and people said, oh, wow, that's great. But like you said, what did he use it for? They didn't have a use for it, so right. it just died. Again, this is Tales of Time Forgotten. Yeah. And this is dated uh, uh, March 8th, 2020. Again, all this nonsense about the so-called Baghdad battery is supposedly evidence for a prehistoric civilization with modern levels of technology. They always get to bend it that way. That's what ticks me off. Which is really irrelevant, beca irrelevant because the so-called Baghdad battery is not a battery at all. We know this because it bears very close resemblance to objects in an identifiable purpose with an identifiable purpose found by a team of archaeologists from the University of Michigan in 1930 in the sites of Seleucia, not far from Baghdad. The objects found at Seleucia look almost like the so-called Baghdad batteries, almost. but we know they were, in fact, used to hold papyrus scrolls because they contain remnants of papyrus uh, scrolls when they're excavated. The scroll holders from Seleucia. Seleucia yeah. consisted of a metal rod that the scroll would be wrapped around with a tube inside a ceramic pot that the scroll uh, to be slid inside for protection. Most likely, the so-called Baghdad battery is just a scroll container. The scroll was meant to be wrapped around the iron rod, slid into a copper tube, and then slipped inside the ceramic container, which would then be sealed to protect the scroll inside. The acidic residue on the inside of the container most likely comes from the papyrus or parchment of the scroll that the pot once contained, since papyrus and parchment are both slightly acidic. Eventually, the scroll decomposed, leaving the acidic residue behind. The container was found by someone at some point and somehow wound up in the hands of Koenig, who did not recognize the object as a scroll container and speculated that it was an ancient battery. Thus, the whole legend of the so-called Baghdad battery was born. Mm -hmm. Ooh, they did, an object of myth they did an episode of Mythbusters on it, too. They did? Yeah. Now, I'm sure some people are already getting ready to cite Mythbusters to me and say, but Mythbusters tested the Baghdad battery and found that it worked. It is true that Mythbusters was able to create electricity using devices modeled on the Baghdad battery, but there are also a lot of problems and caveats that need to be pointed out. Uh, and then we can go on. I don't know if you want to get into that. Go ahead. Um, most notably... The Mythbusters started out with the assumption that the so-called Baghdad battery was used as a battery, even though we have no evidence to suggest that it was. Then we tried to test how effective this battery might have been. In other words, they didn't show the so-called Baghdad battery was actually used as a battery. They only showed that it's possible for people today to make batteries that look like the object from Baghdad. Furthermore, Mythbusters had to make a lot of modifications to get their Baghdad batteries to work. They had to fill their batteries with electrol an electrolyte solution, but we don't actually have any solid evidence that the actual Baghdad battery was filled with such a solution. All we know is that there was some acidic residue which could have been left by all kinds of things, including decomposing pyrus of parchment. The Mythbusters also found one battery that only produced about one-third of a volt of low current. In order to get the batteries to do anything productive at all, they had to wire multiples of them together. There is no evidence, however, that the actual ancient Baghdad battery was ever wired to another such device. In fact, no wiring of any kind whatsoever seems to have been found in association with the so-called battery. Meanwhile, with a whole bunch of batteries all wired together, the Mythbusters were only able to produce a relatively small amount of electricity. A set of 10 batteries put together was only able to produce about 4 volts. This is hardly a, a high standard of effectiveness. Who said it has to be effective? What does that come from, by the way? I'm just curious. Tales of the Times Forgotten.com. Okay. And uh, so, as I mentioned earlier, is, is uh, you know, I'm trying to say, okay, it's possible that the Baghdad battery was a battery and that accidents happen is how, I mean, the microwave oven was invented by accident. There's a lot more inventions that were invented by accident. So maybe it was a pilot's thing at one else. And something happened, whether the guy screwed it up. So maybe I'll put this liquid in a preserve the premises, and all of a sudden it produced uh, electricity or whatever, or whatever, a shock from it. We won't say electricity, it produced a shock. Well, a flow of electrons. So I watched an Egyptians scuff their sandals across a rug and probably created a shock for somebody. Yeah. That doesn't mean they created electricity. I understand that. Yeah. But as early as uh, 1700, we already have the uh, capacitor. So, you know, as I mentioned just earlier, a number of, and a, and a number of these capacitors, these jars, by the way,
could be connected in parallel to form a battery, which is pretty much what a car battery is. And the term was coined by a good friend, Ben Franklin, yep. to raise the potential of a stored charge. So they connected them together, which is makes sense. See, I mean, it, it's logical pro progression. In 1800, the first electrochemical cell uh, by Alice Rostow Volter was invented, and the copper zinc uh, volatile pile, which for which Napoleon uh, made him a count for. So, in other words, he invented it and he got it. The first battery, however, uh, this is the first battery. However, Volter incorrectly believed that electromotive forces uh, originated between the contact of the two metals and farm. Yeah, okay. So, this is a, a fairly reputable site. Um, I will quote it as the uh, Green Tech Media. Uh, yep, elect and it goes into energy storage. So, well, well, again, bit, whether, well, whether the Babylonians created a vessel, they created a small charge. Yes, I mean that's it could be by accident. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Yeah, but that wasn't the intent of it, and it wasn't quote unquote a battery. It was. It was something that created an electrical charge. Right, because we, well, uh, yeah, it created electrical charge. Again, right. you scuff yourself across the rug, you store a charge. Yeah. And you discharge it when you touch somebody. Right. It's not your intent. It's not an invention. It's not technology. It's it's nature more than anything else. Well, I think it's technology. I think it's an invention. Uh, inventioning is a... Uh, well, it isn't an invention if you don't intend it. We go back to the whole Columbus thing. Columbus discovered America. Columbus died not knowing where he was, yeah. where he landed. He didn't discover America. He crashed into an island and misjudged where he was. It's not a discovery. And if an unintentional invention is not an invention, especially at that time. That's discovery. That's what it, it is all about. So whether it's it's you're kind of mixing up two different things, but yeah. that's fine. But the I mean, discovery intent has to be a part of this. No, not necessarily. No. That's that's absolutely wrong. As I just mentioned earlier, the microwave oven was uh, yeah. was invented by accident, and there are many many other things that were invented by accident. I mean, we look at the we look at uh, Sir Isaac Newton and the old apple falling off the tree. Yeah, I mean that was an accident. He just sits there. Oh, I wonder what happens if that apple's going to fall. But the microwave, no. this guy melted some chocolates in his pocket by accident. By accident. And he said that oh. wasn't the intended use of the device, but he discovered it and used it and brought it forward. Yes. The Babylonians didn't they didn't do anything with this. They didn't power their cell phones with it. They didn't they, they didn't have cell phones. They, they didn't, didn't have a use for it. No they it. didn't have a use for it. So if there's no use for it, supply and demand, you ain't gonna ain't gonna supply it anyway. They didn't know it existed, they didn't know what electricity was, they had no use for it. It it, it was totally off the radar to them. Yeah, I still not getting your point. So it's a it's calling it a battery implies intent. No, why do you why do you say that implies intent? Because again, there's a number of different ways you can produce electricity. If something if something works the same as something else, we call it that. If for instance, if we drink Pepsi Cola, we might call it a Coke because Coke was out there. We drank Cokes; they were popular. That's what it's called. It's not a Kleenex is is any tissue. It's it's what it is. A battery is something that produces electricity, whether it's um, intentional or not. I mean, static electricity. If you uh, if you uh, so a potato is a battery. It can be a battery if you make a battery with it to produce electricity. And if there is intent in building something, no, that's not going to work either. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying with that. So yeah, I get that point of it, but uh, you can invent something by. Accidents, but they're calling it a battery, calling it the Babylon battery, the Baghdad battery, because whatever we have something that we can compare it to. We have something that exists already now in the future, which is called a battery. This was very much similar to a battery. I've got it, but it, it implies no, it doesn't it, imply it implies something that's incorrect. No, you are implying it, other people are implying it, but it can be vented for what it is, in other words, it's vented. That was what it was. They don't know what it was at the time. They didn't call it a battery because we know that Benjamin Franklin coined the name battery. So it was invented. Who knows what they called it? You know, but it doesn't matter. And and it could, and in all fairness, they could say, oh, wow, look at this. You know, it's like, 
What am I going to do with it? Nothing. And never died. You know, it was invented by accident, but he had no use. There are other things that, that have been invented. And of course, I, I can't remember off the top of my head of anything other than that radar range, which I keep bringing up. <laughs> um, but really, they have well, been invented by accident and they weren't used for anything. So they just died. And then they were reinvented years later. I'm just saying. Yeah. But uh, as far as, you know, uh, you know, it's ancient intellectually civil dishonest. Ancient <laughs> Because it implies that no, the Babylonians had electricity, that the Egyptians had electricity, and no, they didn't. No, no, no. It doesn't imply anything. It implies what that is. That gives a name to something that existed. What are you going to call it? The cavemen had static electricity in loincloths. What are you going to call it? Whatever it was, a scroll keeper. It's not a battery. How do you know that? It's a, what we name it is what we name it. It's not... Okay. I, We're I'm not getting anywhere. I'm uncomfortable with the implications. Excuse me? I'm uncomfortable with the implications of it being a battery. <laughs> it's given a name to something. That's all it is from the future. Yeah, it's to revisionist the past, history is what it is. If you say so. Yeah. They had a device that, I don't know. So I still think that the, everything that created I static still, electricity back to the beginning of time is a battery by that definition. In reality, it is, yeah. If it's something that, well, not really, you know, I take that back. Uh, static generator more than a battery. So if you rub on cat hair, you can shut Listen, if you've got your, if you got your, your, uh, your mammoth loincloth on and you're walking across the field and you stored up this electricity until you touch somebody else. How do you figure that? You've stored electricity. What? Static electricity. Yeah, static electricity doesn't happen all the time. It's electricity conditions. that's created. You need certain conditions. And it's stored. You need certain conditions. So you don't so don't you for this Baghdad battery, quote unquote. Which whatever. All right. Come on, didn't you go get your sister with static electricity? Yeah. Intentionally? So I want you to go out there, go barefoot and put on a loincloth <laughs> and walk across a field and tell me if you can produce electricity, because I don't think you can. Okay, I mean, that's fair enough. We know very well that you can walk across a rug without producing static electricity. We know that. Oh, I know. Otherwise, we'd be electrocuting ourselves all the time. But you can also can produce You static can produce it, right. So what happens when you produce it? You discharge it. Yeah, but what's that called? Producing and storing energy and <laughs> discharging it. it. They had electricity. You had electricity. <laughs> Is there a use for it? <laughs> yes. Yes. To to yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it, it's funny, but uh, yeah, I, I get. I totally get your point. We're, really we're dealing with semantics here. I mean, because I just anything that implicates that this was an intentional and the civilization had electricity is just is just stretching the point. Okay. So in my mind. According to this battery, by the way, we're going back to the bag, the original bag. This was the first battery, as we know it, according to this guy. Uh, basically, a clay jar with a, not iron, as your your thing said, a copper cylinder. No, he said copper. They said copper. They said iron. They said copper as well. I don't remember that. Probably surrounded by lemon juice or something like that. Uh... I'm just, I'm, in, I'm just accused. The score was meant to be wrapped around the iron rod, slid inside the iron, see? slid inside the copper tube, and then slipped inside the ceramic container, which oh, then could be sealed to protect the okay, seal. Okay, all right. Uh, supposedly discovered in the 16th clay was sealed in tumorous and contained a copper cylinder surrounded by an iron rod. Mm. A number of similar specimens have been found. Experiments conducted, which demonstrate that the vessel when filled with a liquid electrolyte, could act as a electrochemical cell. It has been uh, speculated these cells might be able to electroplate an item. Might be able to, or as an igniter, and we all have those for our grill. Yep. Just saying. All right. So, anyways, that's the end of the show, I guess, huh? Yes. All right. So, anyways, we uh, hope you got a charge out of the show. <laughs> Oh, there was no need for that. Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> I couldn't lend it like that in such yep. bad blood. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we want to thank everyone for listening and tuning in next week. And anything else we got? That's it, huh? 
Oh, just catch the show on all the podcast outlets. Uh, check out Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon yep. for premium stuff and things yep. like that. Spec check out Spirit Quest at uh, New England Ghost Party. After one year, you get the uh, Ghost Chronicles magazine, and we have somebody on there now who's about to get one. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, anyways, it's never been seen before. So, uh, check us out. Go to anyghostproject.com. Find out about Spirit Quest and a whole bunch of other stuff. Anyghostproject.com. Good night. God bless. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.